0: On this week's show, the WWE and UFC come together. Super Mario returns to the theaters. And whose season three is better, The Mandalorian or Star Trek Picard? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse.
1: Don't be alarmed.
0: With another episode of the PCC Multiverse, this is Gerald Glasser coming back at you from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and of course the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows, and if you can, please give us that magical five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe. That's right. Subscribe down below if you're watching us on YouTube so you can get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air each and every time out with some great pop culture content, whether it's a great interview, talking about various things in pop culture, or any time that you can see the Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse. If you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break. Vampires and Vitae, plus Wild Beyond a Witchlight, and also our newest game coming up here in the not too distant future, based off of Vasin from Free League Publishing. So go ahead and check that out today on YouTube at the Pop Culture Cosmos or Vampires and Vitae or Wild Beyond a Witchlight with Wizards and Wine. But I will tell you what, right now, there's no better place to go for your pop culture entertainment. And if you want the latest news and trends in pop culture, go ahead to popculturecosmos.wordpress.com or popculturecosmos on Facebook, where we post every single thing that's major that's going down in the pop culture universe each and every day. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend... A good friend who I gave a decision to, a major decision to, before we went on today's show. She's a good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at, of course, Vampires Vitae, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And, of course, her new show coming up here, her new adventure in the world of VASIN from Free League Publishing is my good friend indeed. It is. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, and one of your major life decisions we had to go ahead and talk about before the show was, did you want the background of Super Mario in the new Mario Brothers movie, or did you want it of Vince McMahon's new look?
2: I mean, the, the question really boiled down to, do we want to be speaking in front of a hero or do we want to be speaking in front of a very obvious villain? We chose the hero. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you chose the hero i let you choose i preferred vince mcmahon simply because he would always provide me humor and laughter as it did throughout my conversation with john orlando and that's coming up here in a little bit from the pb yes. cast he stopped by to share thoughts on the wwe and ufc merger we both did and of course our wrestlemania 39 thoughts as well from this past weekend where we thought there was some great highs on Saturday and some tremendous lows on Sunday so that's coming up here in a little bit plus also as well Melinda and I are going to be talking about season three of the Mandalorian and Star Trek Picard which show is better right now you might be surprised what we have to say We'll go ahead and talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first off, my friend, it is the box office and an early start to Easter weekend for the Super Mario Brothers movie from Universal and Illumination, which everybody knows from the Despicable Me movies. Your thoughts on this? It is getting off to an absolutely great start. $31 million domestically and over $65 million worldwide in its first day on Wednesday. Again, an early release for a movie. Your thoughts on this? It is projected to now do over $225 million worldwide in its first five days, which is just a great sign for, again, video game adaptations, which, again, this is a positive. It's getting positive reviews for the most part which is good, despite Chris Pratt as Mario and his voice <laughs> and all the controversies <laughs> right. said they're in. So I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if his voice really clicks or not. But again, that controversy that came out, movie's getting positive reviews. Movie is obviously getting a lot of people going to the box office to go see the movie. It looks like it's going to be another big hit for Universal. And again, another big hit, finally, for Nintendo outside of a console universe.
2: Yeah. And I think that I mean, I know my small circle of nerds uh, that I have (laughs) on social media, uh, the ones who have gone in to see the movie um, have already said that uh, they were really very impressed with it. So those were some of the early reviews that I saw. So I'm only expecting to see more good things because these were all people who are uh, traditionally speaking very hard to impress. In fact, I think they're impossible to impress. Um, this particular group of people that I'm part of. So uh, just knowing that uh, they've already seen it and uh, they've given it the two thumbs up, um, I think it only goes, bodes well uh, for the movie. It's going to be great.
0: Well, I think it's a great time to go to the box office. I know you've been very yeah. reluctant to do so, but I just finished seeing Dungeons & Dragons this past weekend. I gave it a thumbs up. I thought it had its flaws, but overall it's a great spirited movie and I thought it was a fun time and I would see it again especially because the characters such as Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, they all seem to click together, and I'm hoping for a franchise. But then again, it all depends on how it does this weekend and next weekend going forward. That will be the major determination for Paramount if this becomes a series or not because of how okay it did as far as box office in its first weekend, but it needs to continue to have legs as counter-programming. So we'll see what happens there. John Wick 4 is still doing very well at the box office. And, of course, that has gotten high marks as well. So three really good movies. I don't think you think Shazam or anybody out there thinks Shazam is actually doing that well. And I don't think it uh, is going to perform that well against this kind of competition. So we could pretty much push that aside. But until we get to Renfield in a couple weeks, this is what we got at the box office. And I think right now it's a lot to choose from.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And I was just thinking, if if Robbie was like, okay, we're going to go to the movies this weekend, what do you want to go see?
0: Well, now you've also even got Air, the Nike movie, which, again, yeah. I kind of like, eh, but it's getting pretty solid reviews. It is the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie that's come out that I think a lot of people are liking as well. Three and a half million dollars in its first day out. So it's you know got signs as it might be able to go ahead and translate to an older audience as well
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think that if if Robbie and I were to go to the movies this weekend, I think that we would still put John Wick as our like as our priority screening for that. the D d movie would probably be uh I mean I, I have to face it, it would probably be second um and then third would probably be Renfield. The Super Mario movie it, it's kind of it's bottom rung for me it's not that I think that it's gonna be a bad movie or anything. I'm just not feeling the uh, the rush to get out and see it right away.
0: Okay. You're not, uh, it's a go-go for you <laughs> at all?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Absolutely. No. Nope. No worries on that. But again, it's going to be doing big business, about $225 million in its first five days, which is spectacular numbers for this type of movie, this type of film, Nintendo, showing that it has this really vast and large fan base that just eats anything up as far as nintendo is concerned at this point in time didn't 30 years ago when it came to of course what we saw with the super mario brothers movie the last time they tried to do a a movie out there for the box office but this time around 30 years later it seems like they've done it right
2: yeah, it seems like they've hit all the right notes, uh, I think, for, um, you know, those, uh, you know, Super Mario, Super Mario 2, Super Mario 3 fans. I think that there's lots of uh, nostalgia attached to the movie, obviously. And I think that um, now that they've been able to play the video games, I imagine, uh, with their kids, it's a pretty easy sell for a family night out to get the the, the family out for an evening and go check out a movie.
0: Well, it is, again the Super Mario Brothers movie. It is available right now. You can go ahead and check it out. So we want to hear your thoughts on that or air or Dungeons and Dragons or John wick 4 all those movies, positive reviews for the most part. And all are looking like possible movies that will turn a profit or at least do pretty good at the box office. So right now, really good choices out there as far as films are concerned, but we'd love to know your thoughts. Are you out there going ahead and checking out these movies? Please let us know your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to ask you real quick, when it comes to the trailers that we're seeing, a ton of trailers got released out this week, and you can catch where they are at PopCultureCosmos on Facebook. Secret Invasion, Blue Beetle, Extraction 2, there was even more than that. Your thoughts on some of the trailers before we head to the break?
2: There was a T. Oh, the Barbie trailer. Yes. That's the the one. Yep. Yeah. I I watched that. I've watched it now a couple of times. I think it's going to be a pink plastic campy, super fun, super cheesy movie. And I cannot wait to go see it. I think it, I think it's going to be horribly great. Does that make sense?
0: Well, they're they're. It's a very tongue in cheek style movie, you know, they're all in on the gag. Yeah.
2: And I think that uh, as long as the audience walks in (laughs) expecting that kind of thing and that kind of humor, uh, I think that it's going to do very, very well. I really do.
0: I do also want to give a shout out to Blue Beetle, which it was a movie that Warner Brothers thought so highly of. It was going to be a straight to HBO, HBO Max movie, but they bumped it up into a theatrical release. It didn't get messed around with as far as in any negative ways, pushed back or anything like that. Really, it's been actually given a nice slot here later this summer. You saw one of the stars of of Cobra Kai. He is the guy who gets a hold of the Blue Beetle, that the Blue Beetle, similar to what you see in Venom, takes over his entire body and now becomes like an Iron Man type. It's like if you combine Iron Man and Venom for this type of concept, I think it's really cool what I saw, and I'm really hopeful that the movie will go ahead and shake off any bad vibes from this previous Black Adam Shazam inner feud thing that's going on between them, and obviously the disappointing returns for both of those films.
2: Yeah, for sure. I've, you know, I, you can. Make up all kinds of theories about why uh, those films maybe haven't done as well as the uh, studios expected them to. But uh, you know, bottom line is, if people aren't going out to see the movies for whatever reason, then the movie's just dead in the water, so to speak. Doesn't matter how much promotion or uh, talk the movie gets. If people just don't go to see it, then no money.
0: No money. No money. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Last thing I would really want to mention though is, I know again. Extraction 2 trailer on our site, on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, Blue Beetle, Secret Invasion, the upcoming upcoming Marvel series. You get to see the latest trailer for that as well. But the one trailer that I threw on there that I hopefully you will see, and I'll probably repost it, is for Wes Anderson's latest film that's upcoming here in a little bit. That is Asteroid City starring Tom Hanks. It is the traditional Wes Anderson style of filmmaking, so it does have that offbeat look, everybody acting aloof. I think aloof is probably the best way I describe Wes Anderson's movies. It's a style you either like or you just hate, but I like it. I really like it a lot. A lot of his films have really been good. There's uh, so many different films he's made over the years that have really connected with me. I do like that style personally that he represents. It is different, and it does make him distinct as a filmmaker. Your thoughts on Asteroid City before we head to the break?
2: Wes Anderson is one of those directors that you you know it's one of his films just by looking at it, the aesthetic and and the... Uh, symmetry of, of the shots and and things like that are always a dead giveaway uh, for uh, his kind of movies. And uh, I very seldomly am let down by one of his movies. Um, but, you know, it, to me, it's a it's a certain mood and it's definitely a, a certain place uh, for that for those movies. I think I might have only seen one of those actually in theater. I'm just trying to think off the top of Last my head. Last one I saw was his of
0: Isle of Dogs. Isle yeah, Dogs it's really good.
2: It was. But there's definitely a, you know, a, an aesthetic that he that he has and um, I usually
0: catch most of them on, on television.
2: Yeah, that's usually where I catch them as well. So, you know, if it's not a movie that you think you're going to see in theaters, I don't think you're the only person to think that way, but I think that his films absolutely deserve time and uh, again, you do have to understand that uh, you do need to be in a, a very, at least I do, uh, have to be in a very specific mood and you know, have very specific snacks and all of that kind of stuff uh, <laughs> when I sit down to watch his movies. Specific blanket, I have to be wearing a specific shirt, my hair has to be a specific way. I'm just kidding, but I do find a particular mood helps me enjoy them a bit better. I'll
0: tell you what, though, the cast is second to none. I mean, mm-hmm. it's simply the, the number of individual stars that are in there, obviously headed up by Tom Hanks, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton. The names go on and on and on. It's just almost off the page when you look at the original title poster of it as far as Asteroid City is concerned of who's appearing in this film. So definitely looking forward to seeing this film when it comes out later this year looking forward to go ahead and sharing our thoughts on it but if you have thoughts on asteroid city or any one of the number of the films that you're looking forward to blue beetle secret invasion as far as the television series extraction 2 on netflix with chris hemsworth please let us know your thoughts pop cosmos at yahoo.com for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. I thought I'd give you and I plenty of time to talk about this because both of these series are in their season three, one of which is going to be ending, one of which is going to be continuing, obviously, because one of which is a standalone foundational piece for the Star Wars universe in The Mandalorian, and the other is a final part of one part of the Star Trek universe in Star Trek Picard. And yes, this does go back to the old Star Trek versus Star Wars debate and things of that nature. One of the things though, I found interesting is an article I sent to you yesterday in regards to the fact that there's never been an Emmy or Academy Mm. Award nomination for any Star Trek actor in a Star Trek movie or television series or anything like that. There's never been any acting performances in the Star Trek universe that have been nominated for an Emmy or an Oscar. I just thought that was kind of amazing for me that of all the different types of, of appearances that have been made, we'll start with Ricardo Montalban in Wrath of Khan one of the most amazing villains of all time as far as being over the top, yet still capturing a picture and making it so much better. There's so many performances over the years that you could cite you know, Deep Space Nine, of course, The Next Generation, some great performances there. There's been some great acting over the years in the Star Trek universe that has never been lauded. But I will say, my friend, heading into season three, and we're now halfway through, for the most part, or even more in some cases when it concerns Star Trek, Picard, and The Mandalorian. We get to a point where we can start evaluating the series as a whole for the season. Your thoughts on this? I'll, I'll save mine for last, but your thoughts on season three of The Mandalorian after the latest episode, which to me, 90% was a filler episode with a lot of cameos, and 10% the beginning and the end was the real meat of the actual episode with Pocahontas trying to find the Mandalorians, A, and then get one part of the Mandalorians, the Night Owls, back together. And then also Star Trek Picard, which is a very interesting turn, which is featuring a ton of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine cameos from the past. I feel like I've transported back into the 90s, where you have a situation where it's the galaxy is threatened once again, but this time in a different way altogether with changelings and stuff like that they're actually they've set up where they might really put secret invasion in peril because the idea of changelings they're doing really good and it's up to secret invasion to go ahead and when it comes out on Disney Plus here in a couple months to meet up to that
2: Yeah. And I, you know, that that might be a little bit tough and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm I'm not completely caught up with Star Trek Picard.
1: Um,
2: (gasps) I know, I know. And it's, it's because I don't like to sample that show. Uh, I I like to buffet that show. Uh, The Mandalorian, I'm completely okay with sampling. And there's some weeks where I go, oh, I have two episodes that I have to watch. Uh, so I better watch those. But I, I do like to sit down at a buffet for Picard. And uh, I realized that when we were going through season two, because one episode for me was was never enough. And I know a lot of people didn't really like season two. Understanding. Yeah, I know. Understanding the the restraints and, and things like that that they had for the season filming during covid and, and all of that stuff.
0: But season um, one was like not good either.
2: Well, I didn't hate it. I, you know, I know
0: we've gone but, back and forth on that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've also said, you know, bad Star Trek is better than no Star Trek. So,
0: uh,
2: we, we have talked about that a few times, but no, I like to have like two, three, even four episodes to watch before I sit down. Like I, I like to make an evening of it. And, um, I, I don't feel that compulsion, uh, with the Mandalorian, I don't know if that is better or worse or, or what have you, but it's definitely a different approach that I have to both of the shows. I think right now you can't dismiss anything Pedro Pascal. I think that everything that he's doing right now is just working and he has made no um, bones about him just enjoying every moment of it. And yes, give me all of the attention. And I love that about him and I love that for him. I do think that this season of The Mandalorian has been really good. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Groku continue with his uh, Mandalorian training. I think that that's interesting. The little uh, chest piece that he got, I thought was Best ridiculous. Armor. Oh my gosh, it was so stupidly cute and poignant, and and all of those things that you wanted it to be. I thought it was really great. So yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying The Mandalorian. Is it better than Star Trek: Picard season three? It's hard to beat that level of nostalgia. And what I love about uh, the decisions that they made for season three was that even, uh, you know, there's always a lot of talk about the next generation and and how great it was. And and not as many people were big fans of Deep Space Nine. But if you go back and watch it now, uh, it holds up. It stands up. And it's uh, it's fantastic. So if you haven't done it, you should give Deep Space Nine a rewatch. Um, but knowing that they've included characters from from both of those series, just, I mean, what a smart decision to make uh, because we even knew when the next generation handed things off to deep space nine that both sets of crew both crew growth crews both crews were in tandem living in the same universe at this in the same timeline and and all of that kind of stuff so you know I, i thought that was uh really smart why wouldn't you include deep space nine characters in it knowing that piece of knowledge i just think that it's smart and i think it gives deep space nine uh fans an opportunity to see you know some of their favorite characters up on the screen as well so thumbs up for that
0: i will start off with the mandalorian season three it's okay it's pretty it's good i give it a six or a seven that probably most closer to seven it's lighter Mm -hmm. in tone than it was last season last season was really good really hard-hitting really deep really emotional for so many reasons plus it had uh, better characters to play off of the mandalorian especially when it concerns evil characters such as Moff Gideon Giancarlo Esposito who last year was the hottest actor on earth you know with all the stuff that he was doing with breaking bad and yeah. you know, all the stuff that he was in with the boys and all that so was or 2021 or 2022 he was he was Pedro Pascal right then so seeing him chew up that scenery in, those, mm-hmm. in, the, in the show, I think that was really a great part of why it was so good. Plus, it just seemed more meaningful at different points in the equation. There will obviously be a, a very cataclysmic ending or something very important happening at, at the end of this season for The Mandalorian. The getting there, there's been some light episodes, filler episodes. As I mentioned, this, this previous episode, the Gun for Hire episode, which featured cameos from Lizzo, Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd, which I know a lot of people have issues with. I don't know why they're just going to, they're just guest stars on a show. My gosh, if they'd just been some random actors, nobody would have said anything, but I guess a lot of people still take issue with it. And okay, for that, uh, you know, I, I respect your wishes, but my gosh, it just seems like that, you know, what? It, it just they may like the Star Wars universe. They were asked to jump on. And and you know what? Maybe that's something that they've always wanted to do. So more power to them. I, I think it's, again, it's just very uh, self-contained. But there's been a two or three other episodes that are self-contained. The pirate story really hasn't worked for me. I mm-hmm. thought that was really just a throw in there to buy some time and buy some episodes. Really, gave us, they,
2: it gave us some really sweet action scenes you've got to be yeah. you know and and yeah. fighting out from being all squared in and, that's, and all and, of that and that's, stuff
0: and that's the only reason why they were put on there but yeah you know how they have these magical ties to the to the empire supposedly that, that's kind of like you're stretching it a little bit far out as the narrative and and i really think again you're not finding the true season-long uh, emotional roller coaster that we went through last year and really quality shows, time in and time out, each and every time out last year. Again, it's a little bit lighter and fairer. So it's okay for what it is. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. But with Star Trek Picard, I have told you how much I have not liked and enjoyed my first two seasons with Star Trek Picard, being lukewarm at best on it. And most, for the most part, it's actually been on, I think, on one of these seasons was on my worst of list to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I
2: think it was season 2.
0: Yeah, season 2. It was it was really bad and I again, I should have been maybe a little bit kinder considering they had some constraints, but everybody had those constraints at their their season here. So it's really what you do with it was also what counts as well. But when it comes to season 3, you know, season 3 has been really something special. Not only for nostalgia reasons with all these these individuals from the Star Trek Deep Space Nine pass, Star Trek Voyager pass, Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, the Next Generation pass—all coming together. We're seeing all these great cameos. They are useful. They're not throw-ins. They're meaningful. They mean to the story. They're impactful. It yeah. still has a character in spoilers: Picard's son, but the overarching threat in regards to the changelings and the and the Dominion and. And what it represents, bringing that back, bringing that old story from the past, yeah. bringing that out, uh, dusting that off, was a brilliant stroke that I thought was really smart and really good to go ahead and incorporate that into this season of Star Trek Picard. Again, for me, it, it's leading to a culmination where it's going to be just as important as the ending of The Mandalorian, but how they got there are two different ways, and I really prefer the way that they've gotten there with Star Trek Picard.
2: Sure, yeah, no, I'm I'm I am happy to hear that. Very happy to hear that from you, Gerald.
0: Okay. Well, you better eat be eating that buffet pretty soon of Star Trek Picard and be catching it. But before we head to the break, my friend, I want and also right after that, my conversation with John Orlando from the PvD cast. I want to ask you this though. When it comes to Star Trek Picard and The Mandalorian, this is the ending of Star Trek Picard. So they are yeah. ending out with a bang for the most part i hope they don't end out with a phaser not working fizzle but i'm Mm -hmm. hoping they end out with a big huge explosion and him saving the galaxy and all that your thoughts though on where star trek can go from here what can they do to take that momentum star trek strange new worlds coming out later this year star trek discovery has been pushed back to next year for its final season Star Trek Starfleet Academy has just been given a go by Paramount. So it seems like even though we still can't get the film universe straight, it seems like the television universe is still very strong indeed.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing that, that you know, we've realized with our podcast versus live stream. We definitely do much better in one than we do in the other. And I think it's perfectly okay if Star Trek only ever was a television show moving forward. I don't, the the Star Trek movies are are, you know, a nice bonus to things, but I still
0: think that it's incomplete. I still feel that they they need a 1 billion dollar hit. They deserve a 1 billion dollar hit at some point in
2: time. Yeah, I, but I think that the only way to do that is if you ended a television season on a huge massive cliffhanger that had all of the Trekkies talking, all of the Trekkers, Trekkies, I can't remember which one is right, but uh had them all talking and then a couple of months later drop the first trailer for a Star Trek movie that would start to answer the questions that were left in the season. I think that that might be a way that they could take, basically they need to think of it as an, uh, an episode and just make it like a two-part episode and make a movie out of that.
0: Well, what are your thoughts out there on season three of Star Trek Picard and The Mandalorian? Uh, I agree with, with Melinda that what we're seeing with Star Trek Picard is truly not only nostalgic, but actually very well done. And The Mandalorian has been pretty good, light, but it was better last season. But still, leaves enough enjoyment that I'm going to go ahead and continue on for sure. Because, again, who can resist Baby Grogu when it comes down to it? Oh, excuse me. The knight or the knighted mm. Baby Grogu, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Season 3 of The Mandalorian and Star Trek Picard? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is John Orlando from the PVD cast sharing his thoughts on WrestleMania 39, the merger between UFC and WWE, and of course, Vince McMahon's new look. We're going to go ahead and share our thoughts on all three, him and I, coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse.
1: Action Figure Adventure is back with season two, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure season two.
0: And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It is some momentous news coming out of this weekend. And it's not just Vince McMahon's new hair and mustache. There's also a lot more, although that actually probably did trend more than the actual <laughs> sale <laughs> of WWE's WrestleMania 39. That probably did trend more. We'll go ahead and joke on that here in a sec. But also, we want to make sure we talk about the most important news is the merger the wwe has finally been sold after decades of being the premier wrestling and sports entertainment faction they are now part of endeavor which is comprised now of the ufc and wwe under one roof with the ufc being valued at a little bit over 12 billion dollars and the wwe being sold and being merged and being valued at over $9 billion. So that's over $21 billion there for both the MMA and also wrestling there combined under the roof and under the umbrella of Endeavor headed up by CEO Ari Emanuel. So we think Vince McMahon is going to be gone, right? Because he sold his company. Eh, eh, eh. He's going to be the executive chair overseeing all this. And then also Nick Khan will still be president of the WWE. Dana White will still be president of UFC. Talking about some layoffs because they're going to combine a lot of divisions underneath, merchandising, marketing. So that's going to probably lead to what they described as $100 million plus in savings over the course of every year because they're doing this. So obviously it's going to be a win-win for them. Lose-lose for everybody else that's going to be out there because guess who popped on the headset over the course of the weekend as well? Back on the creative scene, like nothing ever happened. Like all those scandals, which we talked about, which we thought would probably just go ahead and be pushed the wayside. They were pushed the wayside indeed. And now he's even richer at an estimated $3 billion, I guess, for his total worth for Vince McMahon According to Forbes after this sale, but here today to talk about the merger of the UFC and the WWE and also some WrestleMania 39 thoughts and thoughts on Vince McMahon's new look. <laughs> Good man indeed. You gotta go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the PvD cast. At the PVDcast.com. It is John Orlando. And John, great to have you back. I, I you. wanna apologize for my very angry. And very uh, disturbed messages that I sent to you because of my frustrations with the WWE, as usually what happens over the course of a weekend, and you know, the levity that we could provide to each other by all picking on Vince McMahon's new look, which I described, I think, to you as a geriatric Freddie Mercury gone wrong. So, (laughs) I want to ask you this, my friend, when it comes to the actual sale, although please feel free to go ahead and rip on Vince McMahon's new look aside. His creative things aside, obviously this is something he was pointing towards to for a long time. It finally got done, but yet he doesn't have to step out of the limelight just yet.
1: Yeah. um, First of all, I I would like to point out that uh, it was a, a good friend of mine, Ringside Rand, who pointed out that Vince's look, is reminiscent of Max Bear Jr., the actor who played Jethro on the yes? w- hillbillies. Yeah. So he he's, uh, I don't know if he's stealing that, that guy's look or the other way around. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't think I want that look either, which way around. So,
1: okay. Okay. Endeavor purchasing the WWE is very interesting. As I said to you off air, I tried to make sure that I'm up to date on all the news for this merger and there seems to be a lot of question marks still up in the air how is this I going can't. to impact yeah how is this going to impact both those brands UFC and WWE does that mean no more Saudi shows because from what I've read and understand um Endeavor's not high on working with the Saudi Arabians where the WWE has made a, a huge contract to them you talk about TV rights, um, ESPN. I think that TV rights with UFC is done in 2025. WWE is still with um, NBC Universal until 2026. Not that those can't be bought out, I'm sure. Or they might let that
0: play out. But when they renegotiate, it's been talked about how they're going to renegotiate to a entertainment entity let's just say disney for instance. let's just use disney as example because of course the ufc is currently part of it is under Mm -hmm. the disney Mm -hmm. auspices with espn espn plus and all that they will negotiate as a tandem as a future going forward there's the possibility you could have you could see ufc and the wwe going to disney or paramount or whoever as one entity and asking for a blanket deal.
1: Wow. That would be something. Like I said, to me, the biggest question that I'm concerned about is because I know triple H came out Monday and said, they're not going anywhere and et cetera, et cetera. But I still want to know how is this going to impact my, my pro wrestling? Not that I don't enjoy MMA. I do. I haven't watched it as religiously as I did back in its heyday. You know, when it first kind of started, really gaining traction and and whatnot when you had stars like bj penn and you had uh, george st pierre and and those that was my era for being a fan of mma but i i'm a bigger (laughs) wwe fan i want to know how that's going to impact the product the fact that vince is now back in charge of creative is well as we can say you the proof is in the pudding if you look at the ratings for monday night raw and overall I haven't heard anybody say, oh, that was a great Raw after WrestleMania. I have not heard anyone say that. I've heard
0: quite the opposite. That's all I'll say.
1: Yes. Same here.
0: The thing is, though, behind the scenes, I talked about it. They're talking about saving as much as $100 million by combining assets, uh, you know, behind the scenes, marketing, promotion, human resources, combining those departments could save them upwards of a hundred million dollars annually to the company and obviously to their shareholders. This the thing that concerns me though is you're right. Will each other's products bleed onto each other's products outside of maybe a commercial here or promotion there? You know something like that. Little angles that you can do. I get that. We see that in the WWE with Jake Paul. You know we see that with other.
1: George Anthony's Kittle come, this past yeah. weekend. George Kittle bad bunny, bad bunny. You know,
0: th- yeah, you know that's fine if you have you have various UFC wrestlers come in for a little thing and you know maybe come up. We've seen that already where mixed martial artists, former UFC champions, have come into the ring and stepped into the ring as far as for match here, match there. Vice versa, we have seen appearances by the Undertaker at various UFC shows, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see that probably going forward now. But how much bleeds onto each other's product? I agree with you. I have a slight concern on that as well.
1: Yeah, because it, I mean, as you said, we, we, we know it's going to happen. It's obvious that they're going to do something where they would have a little crossover feud. And again, that's fine. And again, I will say that I would not be opposed to this if, let's say, and I don't know, I'll just, pick somebody I don't even uh let's say that we'll and again excuse me folks that I'm you know a little bit old school when it comes to my MMA let's say there was a George St. Pierre all right he's still around I have no problem if he's a massive star in the UFC if he came over to the WWE and he he did like many others learn how to work as well as being a great fighter you know I think that that I don't have a problem with that I think that that works I think that the problem that you have is that sometimes MMA folks are not a kind of clued in as to how things work in the wrestling world and B they, they're, they're misused. All right. That they like a fine example, tank Abbott in WCW or even Dan Severin to an extent in the WWF at the time. So I think that that is, but I mean, let's be honest, talent's misused all the time. So that really should not be a concern by, of mine.
0: We'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, for Vince McMahon, it's a big win financially because of the fact that he he does sell his company. Finally, the things have fallen into place. something we've speculated on for quite some time. It went a little bit higher than I had expected to. $9.3 billion, Mm -hmm. I think, was the final selling price on that. That was probably about eh, maybe a billion, billion and a half more than I thought it would go for. But your thoughts on seeing the wwe sold that high
1: well i was surprised by it i was more surprised at the other figure that you referenced while we were talking off airs 12 billion that one's the one that shocked me to be honest i i just kind of was like wow i don't i don't know i don't know if i, I was shocked by that 9.3 i i guess that's a fair number i guess i don't know my, my, here's the thing though that i i marvel at the most is everything that we have heard about with Vince and all of his problems and all of his scandals, how does he manage to be like Teflon? And nothing sticks.
0: Yeah, nothing sticks. I mean, he's back right where he wants to be. He's choosing to be. And and funny, because in these statements, once the sale went public and once the news got out there and he made the, the appearances with Ari Emanuel, He said that he was only going to dabble in creative. He's only going to be part of the big picture and not the smaller ones. And the thing that gets me, though, is who was on the headset all weekend long during WrestleMania 39. And that was none other than Vince McMahon. Uh, You know, things had looked sort of better. We had talked about on Mm the show. We talked Mm -hmm. about our state of pro wrestling time and time again. How much things look better as far as story wise, for the most part, under Triple H and a little bit younger way of looking at things, yet it seems like now we're reverting back to what went wrong with WWE in the first place, where you have someone who just does not have his finger on the pulse of what works in pro wrestling anymore.
1: And it's got ripple effects. I mean, let's be honest. If you think that an indie wrestler coming up do you think they want to go to the WWE right now in this chaotic environment? Do you think Andrade, Miro, FTR want to go back now? And what about the people that were brought back under Triple H's regime? Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. All of these people have to be nervous because Vince has got his, his paws back on creative. Yeah, absolutely. Very disappointing. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos.
0: and also the las vegas strip or follow retro city games on facebook and instagram for all the latest deals and new items without a doubt there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at retro city games and that led to a mixed result on this past weekend when it comes to wrestlemania 39 my friend i Said at first, I only wanted to talk about the UFC WWE merger, but I thought, you know what? WrestleMania 39 has passed and we got to have some reflections on it. TJ said it best WrestleMania was great on the first day. Very good first day, connected very well, capping off by the victories for Rhea Ripley, and also, which was to me a little bit of a surprise, but then I found out later on that Charlotte Flair wants to take time off. So that's usually. Uh, expected that she'll drop the title if that's the case because now she wants to focus, I think more on her bodybuilding career for a little while. but also want to go ahead and, and give a shout out to Sammy Zayn and also Kevin Owens for winning the tag team titles and a very emotional victory for them. Your thoughts on night one of WrestleMania?
1: Night one I really liked. I mean, night one had one of the biggest surprises of the uh, of the weekend and that surprise was this was that that WWE WrestleMania showcased four-team tag team match was really good. I definitely, definitely felt this was going to be the time for you to go get a drink, go get a sandwich. Don't worry about this because it's a meaningless match. But those four teams tore the house down, and I was absolutely glued to the TV to see who was going to win. So I think that was great. Rhea Ripley and, and Charlotte Flair... You know, hammered each other. They 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 hit each other very very hard. It was uh, reminiscent a little bit of an All Japan Women's contest. Uh, I like that. I felt that the main event, the the tag team title match, went a little long in my opinion, and also went a little bit with too many false finishes. But overall, though, it still told a very good story. I think night one was was good. My only question that I have is does anyone feel bad for the miz because i did after wrestlemania night one and two because it seemed like he was just there to be the punching bag of some random superstar that well that's that's
0: the character he's accepted that's the level he accepted as far as him being considered a joke pretty much inside the ring and out that's something that you know, his character, he could have said no all these years, but this is kind of since his main title run against John Cena and all that, all these years ago, he has like just been accepting of him slotted down. And even a brief run with the title during Bobby Lashley, I think it was early last year and all that, I think that still didn't help him or give him any favors. It's just something, again, he has decided to go ahead and do and accept as far as him being, like you said, the punching bag, him and Baron Corbin. Both, again, you see them out there, and you just see them as just something that's, as far as sim- I guess, resembling a joke. As far as at this time in their careers,
1: yeah, you can't take them seriously whatsoever. No, you can't. No, and and I do. I feel bad for him though, even though because it just, I mean, yes, it's been his role for a long time, but I just feel like it's mania. Like that, that, that's my thing. Is like if it was, if it happened on any other pay per view or PLE or whatever they want to call it nowadays, I don't think it would have been. To me like i wouldn't have felt so bad for him but i just i don't know and and i mean we'll talk about the allure of wrestlemania i think when we talk about night two yes
0: well night two again for me was a sludge to go through outside of one fantastic match which was a three-way very hard hitting between sheamus drew mcintyre and gunther and i believe the right individual won that matchup mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there were some very poor decisions that were made at the end of night two in regards to Asuka not winning against Bianca Belair. I thought Bianca Belair, I mean, she's been a champion for a year and a very credible one at that. I think it would have reinvigorated her character if she would have been able to go and chase down a champion or maybe, you know, a matchup against Rhea Ripley, which it looks like they may do anyways, because they might be doing a title merger after what happened on Raw, which, again, is long overdue. But that's fine. I, I guess, again, my preference is for Oscar to win the title. But again, Bianca Belair is an outstanding champion. And, uh, you know, I'm not really too broken up over that. You and I spoke about that over our last state of pro wrestling. It was going to be close either which way. But your thoughts, though, on night two headed off by a what I think is a poor decision because you got rid of the only babyface challenger you have left for the next year that's viable. In Cody Rhodes?
1: Well, a friend of mine that was here when he came to my home said, You know, I really want Reigns to win. And I said, You know, I get it. You want Reigns to win because everybody expects Cody to do so. And actually, truth be told, Gerald, if it was any other PLE, if it was SummerSlam, if it was Survivor Series, if it was Royal Rumble, if it was stupid fast lane backlash, whatever, if it was any other pay per view, I would have said, I agree with you on that, but this was Mania. This is where you have built this entire story to, for lack of a better term, reach its climax at Mania. People wanted. They wanted, they needed to have Cody win.
0: Well, that's the same thing. That's the same as far as goes into Sami Zayn in Canada. Should have won the title in Canada. You had and you know
1: what? You know what? If you're going to do what they did on Mania, they should have went ahead and gave the title to Zayn. So I know we can't go back in time, but if we knew then what we knew now, definitely put the belt on uh, Sammy, give it to him for two months at Mania. Roman rewins it, and and then we're off with Cody. But yeah, it frustrated me. And then what's even more insulting is what they did on Monday Night Raw.
0: With Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Turning on Cody Rhodes, a character who actually Brock Lesnar coming in said his contract was supposed to have been finished. Obviously, apparently it's not been finished because he obviously has much more work left to do because he, you 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 don't leave these things undone. So it looks like he's going to have something set up with Cody Rhodes, but to interject. Sorry, to interject. Oh, please. But
1: why? Why? Why not? You have him come out, him being Brock Lesnar. They he he does the agreement like look. Rhodes, I don't like you, but an enemy of my enemy is my friend. And you have the the match. You have the tag match that will give Solo Sokoa something to do because he could fight with Brock Lesnar and, and as a result of that tag match, and Cody could still go off and because Cody gets the pin on Roman Reigns. This is not hard to book, people. This is not hard to book. But instead, you take the easy, lazy way out. We'll have Brock turn on Cody.
0: So now you have a... Fan base that's miserable that Oscar is 0-5 at WrestleMania, and you also have a fan base that's miserable that Cody Rhodes is not the champion, and you're going to see sparing appearances by Roman Reigns going forward. I think it's all going to lead to Roman Reigns versus The Rock next year. Again, Roman Reigns would should retain that if that's the case, because if you know he ever meets up against The Rock. Why would you have the rock win? Because the rock is not going to be a regular part of what you're doing going forward. So I ask you, is there a future for anyone outside of Roman reigns going forward in the WWE as WWE champion?
1: Well, I think one of the things uh, as, as was mentioned when I talked to my pro wrestling pundits, I think they really want to push this a thousand day limit so that he can be up there with Bruno and Pedro and Backlund and Hogan. But I, to me it's add booking if you're going to do that then focus and pay attention to that it seems like that's also like something else that's going into this other storyline it it's it's a muddled mess it's a muddled mess and it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be this is not rocket science the book this. well
0: it seems like now both <laughs> The WWE and AEW have a lot of questions because they have champions with no viable challengers, in my opinion, that anyone will seriously take as far as becoming champion at this point in time. So Mm -hmm. both, both companies have their work cut out for them to try and build contenders that are viable for those championships. So we'll see what happens there. But you know what? I think right now Vince McMahon doesn't really care because he's in the afterglow. Oh I'm sorry, the afterflow with the you know the new look there going on, but he is now very much richer after a nine point three billion dollar acquisition by endeavor under this new WWE UFC umbrella. Any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out and also what you're doing at the PVd cast as well.
1: Well, the PVD cast, we are in the midst of WrestleMania season as uh, we have the WrestleMania preview episode from a week ago. And then the review episode is dropping uh, as we're recording this. And uh, on Thursday, it's going to drop later tonight where myself and the pro wrestling pundits sit down and we talk all about our predictions and you'll hear some more of my angry rants and whatnot. About how things turned out for WrestleMania. Thank God
0: I'm not going to be on there because it would be four <laughs> unhappy individuals. I imagine.
1: I, I will tell you, I I I could not hold back some of my frustration. So there was some colorful language used to describe my feelings with this current state of the WWE booking. But nonetheless, it's available at pvdcast.com or wherever you find uh, podcasts. Whether you're talking uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, yada yada yada. So uh, definitely check it out and. uh I have no other comment about the WWE. I just, I just I'll be the emoji guy. That... Well, the next time we do meet, it will be the state of
0: pro wrestling. So when something comes up major, we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So hopefully you'll have a lot more opinions by then. My friend, thanks so much for being part of what we're doing here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Got to remind everybody. That the WWE and the UFC have merged under a now $21 billion plus conglomerate under Endeavor. Ari Emanuel the new CEO, Vince McMahon, and his new sponsor, Just for Men, are now part of the Endeavor conglomerate as executive chair <laughs> of course nick khan is wwe president uh, dana white as ufc president. but yeah it's just it's just a going to be a very interesting time indeed to see how it's going to be going forward and we're going to keep a close eye on this new merger how it works out what that means for you the fan as far as a new tv deal coming down the line if they negotiate together or separate going forward how will the products look on air we're going to go ahead and keep an eye on it and let you know what's going on here in the pro wrestling scene, both with the WWE, AEW, and more every single time out on the state of pro wrestling right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: And we're back to close out the show. It's the PC Multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, a live-action Moana. Is it too soon for The Rock? He announced it. Here the other day at the Disney's Investors meeting where Bob Iger was telling everybody this and that about Disneyland and Disney World and all the Disney movies and all the stuff that's going on. Disney, Disney, Disney. But also a video from The Rock was shown talking about a new live-action Moana on the way. The movie was made in 2016. I think it was released. Your thoughts on a new Moana in a live-action format sooner rather than later?
2: No, I I loved the movie. And if the voice actors from the movie are involved in the live action, I'm all for it. But if the only person involved in the live action from the movie is The Rock, I think we can call a spade a spade and call it a money grab for The Rock.
0: With the young lady involved, that would be kind of hard to do now because isn't she a teenager?
2: Yeah, but as long as- Or you could
0: age your character
2: up. Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. could do that. It's, it's movie magic. There's yeah. ways to work around all of that stuff these days. Okay. Fair
0: enough, fair enough. Mm. But I think it's a little too soon. But you know what, with what's going on with Bob Iger's new mindset that he's bringing a little bit more safe money because this is going to be a little bit safer risk, just like the Little Mermaid, which I think will do pretty good numbers, if not big numbers when it comes to the box office. This is a safe bet because Moana was such a big hit when it came out and it's still to this day one of the more popular Movies on Disney+. Plus, So I have a feeling that it's going to do well. So it's a safe bet. I know that one of the things he emphasized was he's going to put out uh, more quality and less quantity, which, again, I still have issues with when it comes to Disney+, Plus because they don't put out enough. But I can understand his mindset on going with safer, more reliable IPs going forward as far as on a big screen or a large format. I understand that but with the context of I'm hoping they'll get it done and they'll do it right.
2: Yeah, and like I said, it that sounds like a, a lovely idea and as long as like I said more than just the rock makes it over into the the live action movie then, you know, I'm all for it but otherwise it just feels like the rock grabbing a bit more cash. Perhaps money, that's money. Stated. money, 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 money. Yeah, I I don't know, but it just seems like that's that's kind of the the rocks MO right now is to, you know, go in, grab the money and run. And I certainly don't fault him for that. Please don't think that I do. I'm all, yeah, no, I am all for folks making money. Please do not get that twisted up at all, but uh that one just seems and feels maybe a little blatant right now until we know more details about it. So, I'm I'm just going to put a question mark by that one. I'm going to put a pin in it. We'll come back to it.
0: Okay. But what are your thoughts out there on a live action Moana? Are you gearing up for a live action Moana? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But as I said to John Orlando, I think Vince McMahon's new look looks like geriatric Freddie Mercury gone bad.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, um, oh, it's I've heard insult. J.
0: Jonah Jameson, you know, uh, yeah. looking for Spider-Man. That was the most yeah. popular one. Yeah.
2: It's just overall bad. Like, I Tom mean, Selleck
0: when he hits 90.
2: Even then I feel like Tom Selleck would find somebody who would do a better job. Like yeah, that's, that's the issue. It's not that he's doing it. The issue is that it's not done well. And homeboy a homeboy has, yeah. yeah, he has the wealth to be able to go in and say $20,000 make me not white. Give three me... billion, he has three
0: billion. He should spend on hair.
2: <sighs> like honestly, I I just come on, come on, my guy. Just for men is below what you're capable of. I'll just
0: say this: there's been a lot of good things he's done for professional wrestling, and a lot of bad. And right now, it's great for his pocketbook, but it's bad for us as far as a product going forward. I think, and that's just
2: my personal opinion. I feel like that's a fair assessment, really. <sighs>
0: Alright, I had to get that off my chest. I had okay. To get off my, yes. Okay. We I both can relate to that. Venting.
2: It's fine. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're both doing some venting, you know, <laughs> me for all different reasons, but yes, that's so mm-hmm. much the world for us right here at the pop culture conference. What we like and what we don't like about the world of pop culture. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassman. Let's It's another beautiful day in Paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you so much for watching this. And here's hoping you have yourself a great